BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I am only going to be on this earth for a finite time, and football is a part of that time. And I'm not sure how long that is, and I'm not sure what the effects will be afterwards, but I am sure that that is a part of my life and is a part of my story. And... You know, I want to be able to write books and and write essays and and share my my truth and what I've learned and what I've seen in the world and and, and how I've grown. Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week we are speaking to free agent NFL player R.K. Russell about this amazing op-ed he wrote in defense of transgender athletes. I also have some choice words about LeBron James, Just Stand Up and Just Sit Down Awards, but more. But first, R.K. Russell. Uh, did, did, you, did you watch the draft at all? Uh, yeah, I saw a bit of it. I didn't really see a lot of the later day stuff, just updates. I saw, I think, two Purdue guys went the last I saw. So yeah. happy about that. Uh, yeah, is that, is that what you look for more like uh, Purdue as opposed to having a particularly favorite NFL team? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think also when you when you really start playing and you see how much the league changes and shifts and guys, I mean, you know, obviously there's guys I played with that I root for. Um, so as their teams change, I kind of look to see who they pick up. Um but yeah, I mean, I'm just a fan of the game. So I just want good football. I just want teams to make good decisions, which you know, uh, you can't really tell until um, years into someone's career. But, yeah, I mostly just watch for, for friends and for uh, Purdue alone. What makes a bigger difference for a player, like getting a good draft position or signing as a free agent with a team that actually needs you at that position? I think there are obviously benefits to both. I Being drafted, you know, you get um, – kind of that first look and that first chance and that first opportunity to show what you can do, which I think is very important. Um, some free agents do as well. You know, if you're a very coveted free agent or a guy that, you know, potentially could have been drafted, you kind of get that shuffle and then you get to choose what situation you can go into, um, which is a nice benefit. I, I see positives to both. I think no matter your opportunity or your window or how you get in, what you make of it is obviously um, what really matters. 
Well, I, I, I reached out to you to be on the show because you wrote this amazing op-ed for The Guardian uh, called Trans Kids Deserve the Same Opportunity That Made My NFL Career Possible. It is, it's an amazing op-ed. It's, it's beautifully written, powerfully argued. But I guess my first question is, are, are you surprised it received the attention that it did? Um, yes, just because I didn't really do it for quote unquote attention. You know what I mean? Like you never know, um, when you're speaking your truth, when you're standing for something you truly believe in, um, you one don't really care about the opinion of others or attention or, you know, how necessarily the media will perceive it. Um, and two, I was really just trying to speak up for, um, the trans community and for youth and really on behalf of sports as well, because I, I want to change kind of this narrative that sports um, is this very kind of <laughs> rugged, you know, only so- a certain type of person can play sports because that's that's not that's not what sports is. That's not what it is historically. And I want to help kind of change that that perception of it. I um, mean, also kind of save sports and leagues, no matter whether it be little league or professional sports from themselves and from falling into that um that narrative or that belief or that ideology or, or doing things and having actions that um, that feed that. Mm. Could you talk a little about, about your childhood and what sports were offered to you and what sports meant to you in your formative years? Yeah, of course. I, my childhood was very, very, very um, turbulent, I would say, at the beginning, just because I lost a parent very young. I lost my stepfather when I was around six, um, and my biological father at that time was not in the picture. My mother then relocated us from Buffalo, New York, where I was born, to um, Dallas, Texas, and it was just me and my mom. So I, you know, we were a low-income household, um, Black family in a very conservative state, and I didn't have a lot of resources. I didn't have a lot of opportunities. Um, also mostly throughout my younger years, I worked, I worked part-time jobs to like help my mother with bills and things. Um, and sports, when my mother finally got in a position where she, you know, financially felt comfortable, not just like able to provide, felt comfortable to take care of me and, uh, coaches obviously being a, a bigger person in Texas, coaches were looking at me, you know, they were hounding me. They were, they were following me around. They were like, Hey, you, you play sports. Why don't you play sports? What's going on? Do you not like sports? You know, all of these things. Um, and, and at that time, you know, there's city leagues, there's, there's all these other kind of things, but I think high school sports and school sports are so important because not everyone has money to go in, you know, buy all the equipment that, that, that a city league provides or like a special league, um, and, uh, you know, parents can't drive. My mother definitely couldn't drive, you know, across town to take me to practices and do all these things. So it's great having sports in schools. Um, and that was my first time where as a single, a, a, you know, a single child, um, the only child, that was the first time I had kind of like a chance to have brothers. Also losing a parent, that was the first time where I had like male mentors in the form of like coaches and feeling very invisible at times as a black man in Texas, you know, it's the first time I was seen and appreciated for, you know, not just my ability and my talent, but just honestly for my dedication to show up and to give it my all every day. And then you fall in love with the game. You know, you fall in love with a purpose larger than yourself, you know, the greater good of the team and, and winning a championship and, and pursuing these things. So, I mean, sports, like I said, especially from my standpoint, someone who had little resources, um, to speak of as a black man in America and as a, a person from a single parent home and a low income home, sports 
was a huge opportunity for me to not only just better my life, but honestly better my childhood and bring that joy and that love into into my childhood, which I think all children deserve. Yeah, you you just partially answered my next question, but I, I'd love for you to expound more on this. What are we denying trans kids by denying them access to sports like so many state governments are doing right now in this frenzy? Yeah, oh my God, denying really honestly, at the basis of it, you're denying children the chance to be children, you know, and 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 childhood, like I like I said, and, and I'll continue to say, is about, you know, falling in love with things, you know, falling in love with what you what you want to do and with activities and hobbies and with yourself. And also, you know, making those connections with with teammates, making those connections with with coaches and in and, and, and you know adults in in a form of something that's just beyond you know parent child and something that's constructive like coaching and and like being able to to kind of uh listen to an older person respect them and be heard you know i i think a great coach player dynamic is the fact that you know coaching isn't just telling a player do this and making them shut up it's like hey what did you see what's going on out there you know it's this communicative um collaborative partnership it's also giving trans youth it's also taking away something that is very important specifically to to the to the trans community and to transgender children. Um, and that is a sense of family. That is a sense of belonging. That is something that historically LGBTQIA plus kids have been stripped of, especially when they come out as trans, especially when they come out as gay or bi or share their truth. You know, a lot of them risk losing that family dynamic, that family unit, risk losing that community, risk losing friends. Um, and sports is a place where where that is that is what a team is. You know, a team is a family. And I think trans youth specifically can benefit from that so much and need that so much. Um, there's a thousand things I can speak on behalf of what sports does for kids. I think all kids should at least try a sport in a younger age um, and, and, and really give it the go, because it's really embodying, I think, the best of what our society could be and should be. Mm. You, you must have had I mean, you, you've mentioned some of the big picture reasons why you wrote this op ed. But was there something particular that triggered you to say, you know what, I need to write something? Uh, of course, all the the anti-trans legislation that's that's being passed through and also just knowing that um, my own journey and what sports has done for me and given to me in, in its basis form and also what people um, or what media or what, in this point, politicians um, kind of frame sports to be and how sports is weaponized really against um, marginalized communities. And writing for me is just my my purest form of communications when I really can sit down and and think and write out what I feel and, and, and really draw the full picture up. Because in a conversation, you know, conversations can be steered, um, interviews can be edited, you know, media can be, it can all be crafted. But when I sit down, I really write a piece um, that is, in my sense, my purest form of communication. And I felt so strongly about it because, one, I want to speak on behalf of the LGBTQIA plus community and also on the behalf of the sports community, because I feel like <laughs> there is this um, picture being presented to sports that not all athletes really adhere to and not all athletes really agree with. And I'm one of those athletes. So if you're going to use something that I love, which is sports and weaponize it against a community I also love and am part of, um, I'm not going to stand for that. You know, my, my heart and my mind and my soul just know that's not right. Yeah, I, I want to read your words to you. You, you wrote... There is a prevailing notion that sports are a microcosm of our society, 
But I believe the greater truth is that sports are the conductor of our society, mm-hmm. a sculpture of what we hope to be in the future. Yeah. And I want to ask you to speak more about that. But first and foremost, I mean, I got to say the writing skills that you're bringing to the table are so sharp. How did that happen for you? Was it was that something that happened in college at Purdue? Was it something that came through high school? Is it something, a post-collegiate skill that you've developed? Where, where do the writing skills come from? Well, thank you first for complimenting my writing. And I would say I've, I've always written in some form. Um, I kind of mentioned earlier my stepfather passing away and writing was the way that I kind of cope with that and try to um, heal from that, especially as a young person who had no concept of what really life or death was. Um, and it's going to sound kind of funny, but I did not know writing was kind of like a full-time career. I didn't know people went to school to write. I didn't know there was like formal education for writing past like high school English. Um, I thought people, some people just wrote and some people just didn't, or I thought everyone could kind of do it. And once you live a certain type of life, maybe you write a memoir or once you, you know, feel passionate about something, you write a book. Um, so I didn't study writing formally in college. Um, I also didn't take many advanced writing classes in high school. I just always wrote for me. And I just always wrote what I believed in. And I just always wrote what I felt passionate about. And, you know, as anything, you know, whether it's working out in the gym, whether it's playing football, whether it's, you know, doing your job or writing as you do it and as you exercise those muscles more, I think they grow. And I think I found my voice not just from the repetition of it, but from boldly um, pronouncing it and, and boldly really stating what a lot of the times before in my past, I've feared to state out loud um, in my words, I, I've stated in my writing. So that that is how my that skill has kind of matured and taken a life on of its own for me, which I love and I accept. I love that part of myself just as much as I love the athletic part of myself. Um, and when it comes to sports being the conductor of society, I think if we look at history, you know, whether it be um, against racism, whether it be integrating sports, whether it be seeing people um, that don't fit the quote unquote stereotypes, don't fit the status quo or people that are presumed different or people from marginalized communities, people from different religions, colors, um, sexualities, genders, you get to see people in sports, one, especially if it's a team sport, you realize these people are just a part of the team. They're just, as they are, just a part of our society, as they are, just a part of the human existence and experience. And you see just as they wear the same jersey as I do, or they are rooting for the same team as you are, they're playing the same sport, they're just like you. But at the same time, when we champion people through sports, we champion their stories, we champion their backgrounds, we champion their their struggles that they've been through and what have made them them. And like I, like I say, in, in the course of also just the black community, because it's a community that I'm also a part of and that I love and has taught me so much and continues to support me. I've seen how sports have been weaponized against us, you know, historically. And I've seen how we've taken sports and shown the best and brightest of us that we've have showed that we can be the underdog and overcome and be the champion, that we can be celebrated, that we can be, you know, that not we can be, but that we are an integral part of society and that we are a valuable part of society and a part of this world. And that, like I said, that is the power of sports. And, and if you don't see it in the small community that you live in, I want you to turn on, a, you know, an NFL game and see it. If you don't see it in the workplace that you go to every day, I want you to turn on the TV and see LeBron and see it. You know, if you if you don't 
if you don't have that representation in your day to day or in or in your immediate surrounding, I want you to be able to turn on a sports game, any game, any sport, any team and see it, see yourself and at the highest level, you know, and, and having success. And I think that is that is where sports lies and that's where the power lies. And that's. I, I think that um, is the truth, and I think everyone should really should really hear that and see that. Yeah, it, it's certainly true that uh, when people have their prejudice broken down, it's usually because they know somebody who is part of a group that's marginalized. And if you live in a very segregated community or a community where people don't feel comfortable coming out, uh, you know, it's usually through sports that they feel a sense of of knowledge of, of people different from themselves. Yeah, exactly. So powerful. Um, you, you, you're a free agent right now, RK. Is is playing in the NFL again something that you want? Yeah, of course. I I am a competitor. If anyone anyone in my life will tell you that I'm a competitor, and also anyone in, your life, in my life will tell me will tell you that I love um football. I love sports. I love competing. I love obviously. Um, just everything about the game, the, the physicality of it, the camaraderie of it, um, even the, the hard long weeks where you can barely move. And I, yeah, I long to play in the NFL one because I can, and two, because I feel better than I've ever felt in my life, you know, speaking my truth and coming out as bisexual and, um, just really finding purpose off the field has not distracted me from football, has not taken me further from football, but really has brought me closer because I know that all of the weight that I was carrying before is gone. You know, all of the demons that I was harboring before, all of the um, just mental weight that I was taking in my day-to-day life um, and still playing with, you know, and still starting with and still having success with, all that is gone. I physically feel great. Um, I recovered from an injury that I suffered um, a few years back, a shoulder injury, and I feel stronger than ever, faster than ever. So to me, it's a no-brainer to play football again. And to me, it's not a question of if, but a you know, question of when. Mm. Does being open about your own identity, does it uh, come in the way of an NFL team signing you, or do you think it's an irrelevancy from the perspective of the NFL? Of course, not from your perspective or my perspective. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what um, the NFL owners or higher ups or GMs are thinking. I think the draft, as we saw last week, can show that you know minds think completely different ways and make completely different decisions. But the what I know a hundred thousand percent to be true is me loving myself and me being confident in myself and me being, um, you know, feeling strong in who I am are all the things that they tell you day one when you pick up the falls. What will make you a great player? You know, it's it's that belief that you w- can be great. It's that belief that you deserve to be great. It's that belief that you've put in the work to be great. And to me, that is synonymous synonymous with me coming out and accepting my identity um, and being proud enough to shout that, um, you know, to the roof from the rooftops. And if you know, and and if, if someone sees that and can make that connection, that I think is so very apparent, then they know that hey, they're gonna get a high quality guy that knows that he can win and that knows that he can help a team. And, and we want to win. You know, we want to help our team. We want this guy. Mm. Similarly, an article defending trans youth. I mean, it, it's felt like an exceptional thing to come out of the NFL and pro football community. Uh, do you think this helps, hurts, or is an irrelevancy? Is it the same answer? Like, it depends on the team? Or 
I mean, if I was a team, I would be going after you and being like, whoa, this is someone who's who's thoughtful, who understands the world, who, you know, and he, if he applies that intelligence to the football field, that's only a plus for us. I mean, what, what do you what do you think the thinking is from the NFL mindset? Yeah, I think a lot of guys that you pick up, you know, you're not really sure where um, maybe their voice lies or where their passion outside of football lies or, you know, hey, can this what is this guy? How does this guy represent us outside the locker room? Um, you know, there there are the standard things like, you know, guys are being more clean cut or not having records or whatever, whatever. Um, but I think the more that I share and the more that I show who I am, that can only help. You know what I mean? Because I, I feel like you know, everything that I'm showing, whether it be a dedication to protect, um, you know, the trans community or communities under attack, whether it be social justice, whether it be, you know, my own acceptance, my own journey, I think there's all positive things that I'm showing. And I think these are all things that I think really um, delve out my character and really show who I am as a man. And I, I can't remember who told me this, I believe it was a coach back in college, but it was like, um, for something that I heard a long time ago was that, you know, the you don't just be a great player and then kind of be average everywhere else he said the great players are also great fathers they're also great husbands they're also great leaders um and if they're not then they won't be great for long and i took that very very much put in my heart and put in the forefront of my mind because i wanted to be a great player and i also very much wanted to be a great son and wanted to be a great friend and a great teammate and a great leader um and I think the more that I show any of those things, um, the more that that feeds into, hey, this guy wants to be a, this guy will be a great teammate and a great addition. Mm. This is a tough question to ask, but I feel like I have to ask it. Your your talent as a writer is 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 very profound. Do, do you have any any fears about you know playing football for a long time and going back into the league about the long-term effects it could have on your mind and by consequentially on your writing? Yeah, I, I think, especially everyone that plays at this level, you know, NFL professional level, the highest level, we have been made aware of a lot of the consequences, you know, as the studies and the game changes, um, some things are brought to light, some things are debated, some things are, um, you know, the rules are being changed, hopefully to protect everyone and to keep the game exciting and entertaining. But I am only going to be on this earth for a finite time. And football is a part of that time. And I'm not sure how long that is. And I'm not sure what the effects will be afterwards. But I am sure that that is a part of my life and is a part of my story. And, you know, I want to be able to write books and, and write essays and and share my my truth and what I've learned and what I've seen in the world and, and, and how I've grown for a very long time. I also want to be able to throw ball with my kids one day and be able to go to their games and not not cringe and not worry or not, you know, my bones aching when when it starts to rain outside. Um, I want all of those things. And I hope that they're all a part of my life. But I know for a fact football is a part of my life. Um, and it's not up to me to see how all those things meld together. And it's not. It's up to me to do them. And it's up to me to do them to the best of my ability um, until I can't anymore. What's your advice for the 14-year-old football player who may have played a bunch of flag football, a lot a lot of two-hand touch in the backyard, but mm-hmm. have seen they're making the transition to to the tackle game and going into high school? What's your advice to them? 
My advice would be one to listen, 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 listen to your coaches and more importantly, listen to your body. Um, I think it is very, I think younger kids now are getting way better at it. They're way more in tune with who they are in their body and also just their mental wellness, which I think is awesome. I know as a kid growing up, especially in Texas, you know, a lot of the times it's, you know, are you hurt or are you injured? You know, are you, you know, are you fine for rub some dirt on it, get up, you know, be tough, be gritty. Uh, I would say it's very important at a young age to listen to your body. Yes, your body can take a lot because you're younger, but it shouldn't have to. Um, have fun. Enjoy the game. Enjoy being out there with your brothers or your sister or your family, you know, your teammates. Um, and have fun. Just have fun. I think that's super important. I think especially at 15 when, you know, you're you're making that transition or even if you're you have hopes of, you know, D1 ball, college ball, professional ball, um, all that stuff will come if you have fun and if you take care of your body. Because you're not that first game, contact game is not gonna make or break an NFL career. I think, I think, uh, especially when you're a kid, all that stuff seems super big and super important in it, and it has some importance. But um, take care of yourself, take care of your body and have fun and listen, listen to your body. Similarly, what advice do you have for young writers, people who read your work and say, Hey, I wanna be able to do this as well. I wanna be able to use language the way yeah. RK Russell uses language. Well, I would say, firstly, you can. You can do that. You can do it the way I do it, and you most likely can do it better, and you will. Um, I would say also, for me, writing was this very scary process because, like I said, it was very truthful and very vulnerable and very stripping, and that's just not something as a young man in society um, that I was taught to do or that I was taught was okay. So I, I would say it also doesn't – don't think you have to come out – same thing, and take these huge swings. You don't have to write essays right away. You don't have to write books. You don't have to share with everyone every single thing you write. Now, if you want to, do it. Go for it. I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of that. Um, but it's okay to start small. It's okay to start scared. And it's okay to really um, take your time with it and not put yourself on a timeline or rush. Um, your writing is about your voice. And it's about saying what you want as clearly, concisely, and as truthfully um, as you can. It's not about getting praise. It's not about, you know, having everyone being the next great voice of a generation. It's about saying what you want to say passionately and truthfully and honestly in the way that you want to say it. Um, and always remember that. Wow. Well, you've been so generous with your time, RK. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, I know, I know your fr friends call you Russ, but I, I wanted to just say, I was calling you RK. I didn't know what your Anything, anything but Ryan. Honestly. <laughs> honestly, football, you know, my friends call me Russ on the field. They'll call you Russell, you know, from your last name on your jersey. I love RK. That's what I'm doing. All of my writing under is RK Russell. So literally anything but my first name and you're golden. <laughs> nice. What's wrong with Ryan? There's nothing wrong with it. I think growing up, there were so many Ryans. Like I would go into class. They'd be like, you know, is Ryan here? And, and five of us would stand up or like turn mm -hmm. around. And I just like, I need to, you know, stand out a little bit. I don't, Ryan just wasn't, I wasn't a Ryan. That's just, I don't feel, I don't feel like a Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I go by Dave and except for my dearly departed grandfather and legendary 1968 Olympian, John Carlos, nobody who's called me David has failed to make my skin crawl. <laughs> I'm, I'm Dave. John Carlos and grandpa call me David. That, that, that's beautiful. But other than that, it's just like, no, please call me Dave. Please. <laughs> Exactly. I don't know why it just is. And 
last question, RK, because I ask this of everybody who comes on the program. What music do you listen to, particularly when you need inspiration for writing, particularly if you need background music while you write? What 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 music inspires you? Oh, my God. Oh, I love music. I am also one of the most eclectic um, <laughs> music listeners that you'll ever find. I think I recently was writing to a lot of Nina Simone, um, a lot of. Oh, what else? I love Louis Armstrong. I mean, I love love older kind of soulful, somber songs that that really tell a story. I think I connect a little more with those stories because I connect with the honesty and the strife of those times. I also will listen to, and this might be the young, you know, text to me. I'll listen to some Johnny Cash. I love. I I am not a fan of country music. I'm a fan of original country music. So there's a very very clear distinction. And those two things. Um, I love Frank Ocean. I love anything that feels anything that feels very kind of authentic, anything that feels maybe older, but also still very relevant to what we're going through in, in these times. Wow. Well, RK Russell, I, I, I really do appreciate your time. I mean, thanks so much for for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a bless. And I got to tell you, as a house that's because of my kids that's just covered in purple and black because of the Baltimore Ravens. I would be so thrilled if the Ravens, I'm putting out a public call right now for the Ravens to sign you. Um, If anybody at the Ravens is listening to this, sign RK Russell. I appreciate that. I would love that. (laughs) So much fun. Um, And have a, have a great day, man. Thank you. You do the same. I'd be well. That was R.K. Russell. Folks, uh, we'll be back right after this message from the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation Magazine. We'll be back right after this, but first, a quick word from the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation Magazine. Okay, look, the need for independent journalism has never been more important, and The Nation brings it each and every week like they've been doing since 1865. I'm serious. This is what you gotta read. It's The Nation magazine. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe. And please never forget that when you support The Nation magazine, you are also supporting the continued existence of this podcast. So please subscribe. Go to www.thenation.com slash subscribe. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. Okay, look, in a replay of a time-honored stunt by the Los Angeles Police Department, one of its officers has written an open letter on Facebook to basketball megastar LeBron James asking him if they could sit down so he can explain the realities of policing. This police officer's call for coffee comes as a response to James sending a tweet a couple weeks back featuring a picture of the Columbus, Ohio police officer who shot and killed 16-year-old Makia Bryant with the words, your next hashtag accountability. In the immediate wake of Derek Chauvin's guilty verdict in the murder of George Floyd, James was obviously saying he wanted to see some kind of accountability, likely in the form of an indictment for Bryant's death. James and many, many others clearly believe there had to be a method to de-escalate the situation without shooting and killing a 16-year-old child, even if she was holding a knife at the time. But the right-wing hordes in this country shockingly did not act in good faith. Instead, many tried to say James was doxing the officer and calling for some form of physical retribution against him. James deleted his original tweet, saying in a follow-up tweet, 
I'm so damn tired of seeing black people killed by police. I took the tweet down because it's being used to create more hate. This isn't about one officer. It's about the entire system, and they always use our words to create more racism. I am so desperate for more accountability. Now, this L.A. police officer wants a crumb off LeBron James's table, a morsel of his fame, while pretending like it's some kind of act of conciliation. This is an old technique by the police, taken from a musty, ham-handed playbook, one with dog-eared pages and yellow corners. Remember the Los Angeles County Sheriff challenging LeBron to put up reward money to capture people who ambushed two sheriff's deputies. Remember the embarrassing beer summit former President Barack Obama threw for academic luminary Henry Louis Gates Jr. and the police officer who arrested him after he entered his own home. These kinds of summits have nothing to do with actual reconciliation. They are public relations ploys that sell the idea that we would accept the killing of black and brown people by police if only we had greater understanding and empathy for the police themselves. Balderdash. If this officer really wanted to build a bridge to the communities he polices, the best move would be to go back to his trusty Facebook page, condemn police violence, and call for the prosecution of officers who assault and kill citizens. He's not alone in his clout chasing. Some random bar owner in Ohio went viral in the wake of James's tweet for a Facebook post proclaiming that NBA games won't be shown in his establishment until James is expelled from the league. This is a carbon copy of bars that said the same about NFL games after former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick began taking a knee in 2016, protesting the fact that, as he said then, police get away with murder. Again, this worn-out playbook is pulled out, one whose message is about as subtle as grabbing a bullhorn and shouting, shut up and entertain me. We have a bigger problem than a police officer or a bar owner trying to get 15 seconds of fame off James's back. The crisis is that we have a massive segment of this country more upset by a basketball player's exasperation with police violence than with the violence itself. They believe police officers have an absolute right to kill as long as they kill the people who look like George Floyd, or Adam Toledo, or McKee O'Brien, or Dante Wright, or Andrew Brown Jr. In contrast, one could look far and wide for a Blue Lives Matter post from the radical right and their sycophants in Congress after the January 6th insurrection that actually seriously injured police officers and come up empty. They barely blinked and it's depressingly obvious why. They believe some people just deserve to die whether it's the black person in the wrong place at the wrong time or anyone standing in the way of their insurrectionist nocturnal emissions. LeBron James is trying to use his galaxy-sized platform to actually call for fairness and accountability, two words absent from their collective vocabularies. It's not complicated. If a teacher saw a student being abused, they would be expected to come forward. If a nurse saw a colleague try to kill a patient, that colleague would be fired and prosecuted. Only police are treated as if they are 007 and licensed to kill, without fear of the state seeking justice. Until that ends, people like James calling for accountability should be praised for trying to stop the killings, stop the hashtags, and stop the violence. Police unions should be shamed for protecting the killers in their midst. And we the people should fight for a world where there are no more venal double standards. Double standards preaching that some people are just more killable than others. We'll be back right after this with a quick word from Edge of Sports. 
Hey, everybody out there, this is Dave Zirin with the Edge of Sports Podcast. People got to know that we put this podcast on with elbow grease and, and bubble gum on a weekly basis. And we're proud of the work that we do. We love it, but we can't do it without support from you, the listener. So please go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod and support the podcast. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. Any little bit you might give to support the podcast actually makes a huge difference to the work we're trying to do. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. We appreciate you. Make no mistake about it. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. Now it's time for the part of the show we call Just Stand Up and Just Sit Your Ass Down. The Just Stand Up Award this week Stand up. goes to the first round draft pick of your Baltimore Ravens. I love this kid. His name is Adufe Away. And what I love about him is that he played in college at Penn State under the name Jason Owe. Jason is his middle name. He didn't think that his first name, Adufe, people would be able to pronounce it. And it sounds like he was a little bit, you know, sheepish about fronting his African name. And he did a press conference where he was introduced to the team and he said, look, don't call me Jason anymore. Call me Adufe. And I figure it's about time people learn how to pronounce my name because my name is my name, basically, he said. He didn't say my name is my name. That's a line from Marlo Stanfield from The Wire. But basically, he was saying, this is my name. And he put it forward with pride. And it was a kind of a beautiful moment. And I was watching that live with my son. And my son was just like, wow, that's terrific. And it had an impact on my son's thinking and consciousness and we had a long conversation about that about names and about the responsibility of others to learn your name not vice versa it was it was great so just stand up word this week to a dufe don't call him jason away stand up just sit your ass down award sit your ass down sit your ass down goes to the many draft rooms i mean yes i was watching the nfl draft over the weekend Overwhelming. I mean, you, you couldn't not notice this. There were a couple of things where I got to say, just sit your ass down. First of all, I watched the ESPN coverage and the announcers repeatedly were sort of downgrading people who opted out of last year because of COVID and building up people who played during COVID as if they cared more about football and they impressed the scouts because of their love of the game and their risky COVID. I mean, that's just an incredibly irresponsible framing for what occurred this past year. You don't know which of these players might have had autoimmune issues. You don't know which of these players might have parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters with issues where they're getting COVID could mean just a horrific result. You don't know which of these players just didn't want to get COVID and made this decision. And the idea that they would be not only punished for that, but that announcers in such a blase way would be like, yeah, that player's dropping in the draft because, you know, he didn't come out because he was, you know, COVID. I mean, it, it just to me felt kind of ethically and morally reprehensible. Uh, you don't punish players because they're living through a once in a century pandemic. So to the announcers who were calling the draft and using that kind of framing and to the NFL teams that maybe didn't draft somebody because they dared sit out the year because of COVID, please, 
Sit your ass down. Sit your ass down. Well, now's the time of the show that I like to call Kaepernick Watch. The only thing I'm going to say about this is I've got a book coming out this fall called The Kaepernick Effect. And I just got a terrific blurb from Dr. Ibram Kendi, uh, just the National Book Award winner, uh, author of the book How to Be an Anti-Racist. And I was just really excited to get a blurb from Dr. Kendi, and I just wanted to share that with y'all. Uh, thank you so much to R.K. Russell for being on the program. Thank you to my producer, David Tigabu. Thank you to everybody out there who makes Edge of Sports and makes doing the Edge of Sports podcast so much fun. For everybody out there listening, please stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.